I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it is gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Welcome to the Dune Saga Podcast. Your hosts, David, Scott, and Jim, guide you through the chronological epic story of Dune. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Dune Saga Podcast. I'm David Moulton. This is Scott Herzog. And I remain Jim Arrowwood. And welcome to our listener feedback show. As always, we encourage you to write us in at the Dune Saga Podcast at gmail.com or call our voicemail at 1 508 4343. Yep. And we, we'd love to hear your feedback and uh, give comments on what you have to say and, and kind of learn more about our audience and uh, all that great stuff. So before we get too far in, I want to say there was some, some news came out uh, in an interview I was reading with uh, Kevin J. Anderson and Brian Herbert. They were talking about the Dune books and the future of the Dune books. Now, they said, they haven't given much thought into, I mean, they have ideas, but what, what will be after the next book, which will wrap up the school book. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. But the big news is, is up until this point, everything had been saying online that the next book would be about the Sook Doctors. And it was going to be the uh, schools of Sook or whatever. As it turns out, they said officially... It's about the Navigators. So it'll be about the founding of the Navigator School. So of the guilds. Of the guild, yeah. So we will have had the Sisterhood, the Mentats, and the guild. So who knows if they'll do something else after that, but that'll conclude that trilogy uh, of the Schools of Dune. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. So no chome. No, yeah. No, well, maybe it'll be explained because, you know, the, even though that's not candid official uh, encyclopedia, like we, we said before, but. Uh, it says it was a reaction to the guild. Yeah, so, so maybe. You yes. might get that in the guild book itself. Yeah, right. So, so uh, along those lines, uh, just some, some news from our fans. Uh, one of uh, Jim's uh, friends saw the authors and uh, was pimping the podcast to them. And I think you even got a little bit of a, a, little bit of a gift there, Jim, didn't you? Uh, I haven't received it yet. Uh, Eric Cohn out in uh, Utah. Or, yeah, uh, he went to the Salt Lake City Comic Con and saw the authors. And, um, I, I, in a way, kind of helped him get to that con. And so he's, he's apparently repaying the favor by getting, uh, house or no, the very first one we read. He got that autographed by Kevin J. Anderson. And got Brian Herbert's autograph for me. Oh, that's so cool. That's rocking. That's so cool. You're going to be like that guy and that I, has them in the in like an airtight case somewhere. That's right. <laughs> I, that's exactly the way I do it. And I will uh, I will share pictures of that stuff when uh, when they arrive. Awesome. Yeah. Very. It'll very be cool. like an electrostatic binding, so you can't actually <laughs> touch the pages when you open it. 
It'll be it, it's yes. his version of the Orange Catholic Bible. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> In all the family portraits. I, I, I have vacuum sealed every autographed book uh, that I've received. Uh, the one from Nick Eftimiatis. Um He sent me one for helping him promote his book and the ones that I, that I've gotten from Keith DeCanado. Yeah. I I seal, I vacuum seal them and put them away. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yep. That is awesome. So, uh, without further ado, why don't we just break into the feedback? We got, uh, a lot, a lot of good stuff in this time. Yes, we did. Uh, now we were going to talk about the poll, right? First, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we have we have we have we have a poll we put out, and I think Roland in the chat room was kind of responsible for that. We do yeah. have a chat room for those of you that are just tuning in. It's at doomsagapodcast.com backslash live. Yep. And so when we record, and we'll try to give you a little bit more of a warning than we did maybe today, but yeah. But you can you can chime in uh, in during our discussion, both during the. Uh, a discussion on the book directly and the listener feedback. So we hope to see you there. So last month's question mm-hmm. was, what would you rather be a guild navigator or a Benning Jesuit? And I'll tell you what, this was a tight race. Last time I looked at it, it was dead set 50, 50, but as of right now, someone's like vote pushed it over, pushed it over. And they would rather be a Benny Jesuit. I said 55 to 45. So the question becomes, David, which would you rather be? I think I would rather be a Benny Jesuit. I think I'm with you. Yeah? I'm with you in that. They have more freedom, I guess. It's 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 hard to relate to the navigators because they evolve so much past humanity that they can't relate to us. So how could we really relate to what it would what be like to be them? Yeah. You know? How about you, Jim? What, what was your... Uh, what was your vote? Same thing. Uh, I have to throw in with the, with, with you guys. Uh, I like the idea of having that much control over yourself that you can accomplish things. You can cure yourself. You can affect others negatively or positively. Um, that, that's just fascinating. Yeah. I agree. I agree. The- the guildsmen, they sacrifice so much for that higher level of thinking and that ability to to see through time and, and space and stuff, but they lose everything well, else. Imagine this, okay? You're a Bene Gesserit. Yeah. You go to Pizza Hut. You get a large, super supreme pizza, and then you tell your body not to absorb the calories. What could be better? <laughs> Dude, that would be absolutely awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Living the life. That's right. <laughs> I haven't even thought of that. That's right. I haven't even thought of that. So, yeah. Uh, well, that, we'll have another question for you here at the end of the show. For absolutely, time. absolutely. So. Let's jump into our first piece of feedback, and uh, and I'll start. This came in from Darren Kerrigan. It actually, came in our Facebook page, and this is what he had to say. It was in response to our listener feedback show number three, and he says this. Just finished listening to the listener feedback number three. Great discussion as usual. Regarding your end of show question, I definitely prefer to be Bene Gesserit. There's another vote in. Navigators are just a bit too removed from their humanity for my liking and are, and are given a, 
And given the high dependence on spice and aware of how fragile the supply is, given its history in Dune, I'd prefer to manage my own body chemistry, thank you. Just finished reading Mentats and currently listening to the audiobook of Dune, ready for when you get to that point. After reading the prequels to Dune, it's surprising how much more human and emotional Gaia's Helen Mohayim is when she talks to Jessica around the great seam with the Gom Java. Kevin and Brian build them up, Bene Gesserit, to be totally devoid of emotions, but that's not how it comes across in the early Dune books. Ruthless? Yes, but much more like an old hag or a witch. <laughs> Which do you think? Uh, what do you think? Take note when you move on to the Herbert books. I'd love to hear your opinions also if you notice any other character or personality misalignments, not in a negative way, but purely in the way different authors portray them. So uh we part of this question we really can't answer yet. Yeah. But I know Jim you started reading Dune, right? I did. And and have you noticed and already some of the differences in the characters? I I certainly have. Uh where he says the the old hag or witch I did not see the Bene Gesserit that way in the prequel books. Uh however, it starts right out right at the very beginning with uh, describing uh, Mohayim as as an old hag. Hmm. Yeah, and they definitely, almost every single Bene Gesserit character that plays any sort of role, they comment about how either one, at one point she was a seductress, or even though she's a bit old, she could still seduce any man she wanted to. Like, they seem to mention that with anyone in the... Brian Herbert, Kevin J. Anderson books. That's true. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. So I and of course, go ahead. Of course, not all Bene Gesserit are old hags either. I mean, there's there's Jessica, uh, Anna Rule, uh, Romber's wife Tessia. Um, you know, yeah. they, they're they're not all hags. Right. They may wind up that way, but interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, you know, and I think we we kind of agreed with the navigator stuff he said, too. Uh, you know, in talking about oh, yeah. picking up Matt, Mentats, I almost, uh, I was at the library, I'm like, ooh, I read the back cover, I was like, I gotta read this, gotta read don't, don't have time, don't have time, don't have time. <laughs> wait, wait, you didn't read uh, Sisterhood yet. You'd be no, so, I know. You would be so lost if you I would them. not, because it's focused on another character. Well, it's it's supposed to be the second book in a trilogy. That's like picking up House Harkonnen and being like, "Well, it's focused on the Harkonnens." Like, right, right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, and corrected. <laughs> um, all right, Jim. Why don't you read the next one? This is by Nathaniel Rich. Yes, uh, Nathaniel says, "I'm stopping my listen to your show before the Corin episode so I can re-experience the books." and really enjoy the discussions. With that in mind, bear with me, because this may have already been covered. You fellows know there is a Dune Encyclopedia, right? It contains a timeline that stretches back to the present and covers as far forward as Leto II. It's not the most comprehensive as it was published before Chapter House, but it is a lot of fun. Just be aware that it's a whole big box of spoilers, Thanks for the show. You've got me excited about Dune again, and I'm spreading the gospel to my friends. When the time comes, I'd appreciate some discussion about the Orange Catholic Bible, as that always seemed like a strange concept. 
Yay. So he's a fan of the encyclopedia. And Nathaniel, we do, as if you listen to the main show, you will have heard us talk about the fact that we do have a copy of it here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually not, I, I thought it was going to be insanely expensive. And there are some ones that are in pristine condition that are, but mm-hmm. I got mine for, I think, 25 bucks. Yeah. Was, was there like a hardcover version that was crazy or something? Oh, uh, I don't know. But this, 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 this isn't terrible. There's a little bit of wear along the edges. Oh, so if you're, good. so it's, it's good condition for it. So, so yeah, aware of it. And I have not read it. I got to crack it open in the last, I guess our last show just for a little bit to look up Chome. And that was about it. Um, and thank you for, by the way, for spreading your gospel, the gospel of the Dune Saga podcast to your friends. So <laughs> uh, we do appreciate that. So Orange Catholic Bible, we want to talk about this now a little bit. Sure. Um- I, I wish somebody had put something together. I know we've mentioned that a couple times. I wish somebody had uh, had had put something together. It's an interesting concept. Yeah, for, for sure. And do we have enough about it that we could like actually assemble some sort of? I, as I was talking, I was like, I wonder if somebody's ever gone through and pulled out every quote from right. the Orange Catholic and all the books and just been like, well, here, is, yeah, here it you is. Know, this is what it would look like if it was done. <laughs> that would be cool if they did. But yeah. yes, um, I guess you know. Obviously, Catholic is a reference to a, a unified faith, right? Um, where does the orange come from? Is that from Melange? Spice? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I, does anyone I kinda, know out there, listeners? Yeah, help? I kind of got the impression that it came from, uh, well, not the orange, but that the orange Catholic Bible stemmed from the call to Serena somehow. Uh, yeah, well, I would believe that. But just how, I don't know. Uh, Maybe, maybe we'll see that in the school books. Maybe, know, maybe, in, maybe. And is it tied to any certain group? Is it tied to the Bene Gesserits? No, uh, no I don't it's, think it is. It's kind of it's, broader than that. It's its own thing. Its own thing. But just kind of stick it. Well, in Dune. Go ahead. In Dune, U, in Dune, Yui gives uh, Paul a copy of the Orange Catholic Bible. It's like one of the almost one of the original versions. The way it's presented. Yes. Yeah, we don't want to spoil too many things here, though. <laughs> but <laughs> I think we should take just a quick step back to the Dune Encyclopedia. We talked about it before, but um, uh, it has been considered not non-canon. Yeah, we do need we do need to say that by Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think even Frank Herbert kind of viewed it as being Fun an amusing an amusing romp. But yeah. So. Yep. Anything else on the Orange Catholic Bible there, Jim? No, I I'm as curious as uh, Nathaniel is. Maybe yeah. one of our one of our listeners can uh, tu- tune us into something. There's a nice section on it in the uh, Dune oh. Encyclopedia of it. <laughs> but, <laughs> I want to read that. <laughs> but yeah. So anything? I see you typing away. People talking in the. Uh, I was, and then. Um, Actually, so uh, Roland just put into the chat room regarding the Orange Catholic Bible. It was created by Frank Herbert as a combination of the sim- symbolic color of Northern Irish Protestantism with c- Catholicism. Oh. So that's what Wikipedia says. Interesting. Well, thank you, Roland, for yeah, uh, so that's, uh, checking that out. Yeah, definitely. So. But, huh. but the Orange Catholic Bible, I don't see any of them, but... All right. Um, well, I can, uh, I'll read the next one. All right. Go ahead. So uh, Naomi chimes in here. She says, Dear David, Scott, and Jim, I first read the prelude to Dune about 10 years ago. My son was nine at the time. As you can imagine, Duncan, Duncan Idaho's story profoundly affected me. 
After a recent second read of House Atreides, the Duncan Idahoan storyline remains a major standout. The tragedy and brutality young Duncan suffered were horrendous. His victories made me want to cheer. His courage and loyalty were amazing considering all that he'd been through. Duncan's early life experiences is a fitting explanation of why so many great generations of Atreides loved him and didn't want to live without him. And that's from Naomi. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, Ichihara. So for pronouncing your name wrong, I'm totally sorry about that. Um, So what do you think about uh, what she's writing here? I think I think it's cool. I mean, I agree. I love Duncan's story. I love the, you know what we're seeing him. I think it, it really gives you a sense of he's so much younger than everyone else, right? And I know that in Dune, he mm-hmm. and Paul have a special relationship. Oh yeah, you know. And I think that that kind of like uh, it kind of comes through as he's this this link between the older generation and the newer generation, you know. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. I, you know, I, Duncan's always one of the characters I love to go back to. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it in the in the middle book when he's training uh, to be a swordmaster, and then this book when he's kind of assumed that role um, and he's kind of supporting Leto at the beginning, and then taking a very active role in the invasion later on. And uh, you just see his skill, his training, and and um, he's kind of framed out the book, gone from this. You know, extremely hurt and broken, and been, and trying to get away from the, the Harkonnens to to fighting for the Atreides. Mm-hmm. Uh, any thoughts on that, Jim? Yeah, I I also really enjoy the Duncan Idaho storyline. However, it it gets kind of sad and tragic actually as time goes on. Hmm. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean. Yeah. We'll learn more next conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get too specific. Yeah. 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 All right. So uh, uh, let's move on to the next one. This next one actually is from Roland. So Roland's in the chat room. He's going to hear his top 10 moments from Dune. He has a couple here. Um, but here's his top 10 moments from Prelude to Dune series. So he's looking at all three books together and saying this. And – um he does have another one in here. I don't know if we should read this one first. Let's, why don't we actually reverse this and let me read. I'm going to read his, 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 his email about the book itself, about the most recent book about House Carino. Sure. And then, uh, we can go back to his top 10 moments. Does okay. that make sense? Sounds good to me. So why don't I do this one? Then Jim, you can, you can do the 10, top 10 moments. And maybe when we do the top 10, we can like talk of each one, just kind of respond to it a little bit. Great. But anyways, uh, All right. Here is his email about House Carino. Hi, David, Scott, and Jim. This book was awesome. I especially enjoyed seeing Leto become a benevolent ruler juxtaposed to Saddam becoming increasingly cruel. I also enjoyed the imagery of Romber as a part cyborg. I give this book five out of five. So, Jim, he's with you. I give the trilogy four out of five. He said his favorite moments, the tainted spice leading to a jump into uncharted territory and Gurney getting enough clean spice just in time to jump away from an unknown threat, definitely hints towards something in the future. The guild putting Shaddam in his place by abandoning him on Arrakis. Three, recapturing of Ix, the Atreides' attack on Tulaxu and Sadakar and the demise of Ajitika. And... 
Sufir Howitt's hologram ruse to scare off Raban and Mortani's attack of Kaladan. Random comment. Mm-hmm. I'm really curious how the Saloxu came to be. Did they used to be humans from Earth? My answer to the question posed at the end of the last listener feedback podcast would be Guild Navigator. I would choose to be a navigator because of the high order mathematics involved. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, he's a math teacher. So. Oh, well, the devil. <laughs> hey, then it makes sense, then, um, that he would choose that. So anything that Roland's saying here that you kind of are are, are, are thinking about or commenting on? Well, I'll, I'll chime in about the Tlaxu, uh about them. They were human, okay. and they were just kind of like how the guilds men became more and more mutated. You see them in Legends of Dune. They're, they're more human-like. They just talk about how they're shorter and a little bit paler, and but but at this time in Prelude of Dune, they're like silverish, and they have don't they have like pointed teeth? I think you and know? no women. Yeah, there's no there's no you know, no women to be seen. Um, I would so, have trouble in that society. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, an interesting. They're very different. Interesting. I know that later on we'll learn more and more about this very. Uh, recluse society and why they are like they are so yeah um anything that he uh said jump out to you jim oh yes through for howitz hologram ruse now that that was brilliant i enjoyed that part uh it was a surprise to me um and it was one of those moments where you want to jump up and say yes yeah, that that was my favorite one. Yeah, no, it was it was definitely good. I was not expecting it. I was fully expecting them to come in and actually take over Caladan for a little bit, and, uh, and then Leto mm-hmm. comes back and has to deal with it. But they didn't go there. They kind of opened it up, and uh, uh, Thufir Howlett, uh kind of earned his keep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was worried about letting oh. Leto down. He does definitely not let Leto down. That's true. I, well, I wondered where where did all these ships come from. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I liked how even though even though they say this is a really old way to display your ships, it was still enough to scare them. They're like, "Why are the ships in the ocean? No one does that anymore." Right. Uh, but they were still like, "Well, let's not question the fact that all these things are here." So, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, Roland asked kind of in when we talked about the Tlaxu a little bit. Uh, you know, our. Do we, uh, are there any real aliens in the Dune universe? Are these, there's no aliens that we know of. They're all human. Everyone's human or some derivative mm-hmm. of human. Yeah, except for uh, the machines, but even them are derivative of humans. Yeah, I think the closest thing we get to alien is maybe like uh, the brief mention of like livestock and pets and stuff that are not. They're not really that. Like they'll say, like the like the lizards yeah. on on X or mm-hmm. right. you know, things that aren't something that we have on Earth, but they're not necessarily you know intelligent life. Yeah, the only the only sentient life life forms in our Dune universe are humans. Yeah, so that means everything has originated from Earth, except for the creatures on these planets. Yeah, as far as that's kind of mm-hmm. yeah, as far as that's so so as far as we know, but. That's uh, mm-hmm. good. So I, I do agree with his uh, comment about um, the rating of the books. I thought that there was I, – I kind of agree with him. On that. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on point with that, yeah. um, especially the trilogy part. 
Yeah. So. All right. Well, Jim, why don't you take his top 10 moments from Prelude to Dune series? And uh, we'll start at number 10 and count down. Okay. Drum roll, please. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> number 10, Pardo Kine saving the Fremen children from Harkonnen troops. And that would be H.A. What is H.A.? House Atreides. Yeah, House Atreides. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I know that. So that, we, okay. We all uh, commented about that when we, when we were talking about that, about the turn of events there that happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. I was like, where did that, what, what scene was that? It's been so long ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As a big turning point in the series. Mm-hmm. Number nine, Satir's sacrifice to call the Spacing Guild in House Harkonnen. Mm. Yeah. Actually, uh, House Carino. Carino. That's what he's talking about. The one where he dies. Yeah. yeah oh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that would be, that was certainly, obviously, noble and moving. Mm-hmm. So. A fitting yeah. end to his character in the main show, I think I yeah, talked about do, that. Yeah, we do. We yeah. did talk about that. Um, mm-hmm. And he was a hero all the way through. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which was nice to Kate, see. I will try to get this right from now on. You're seeing my 3 a.m. wake-up call this <laughs> We'll keep you straight. All right. I appreciate it. Pardo Kynes becoming a prophet among the Fremen when Juliet killed himself rather than Kynes. And that would be House Atreides. Yeah, I don't know if I put this as a top ten moment, but it certainly was a defining moment yeah. in, in Guild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oops. All right. Number seven. Pardo Kynes finally thinking of his wife as the cave collapses. A sad but poignant moment from House Harkonnen. Very true. Yeah. Very sad. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And ironic. Number six. Ah. Number six. Duncan Idaho and he wrestles battle with the groomen on Ginaz in House Harkonnen. Yeah. That was a great battle. Yeah. I loved seeing it. Now, I don't know which one exactly he's referring to. Are we talking about the one on the boat? Are we talking about the battle that ensues afterwards after they've just been given their sword mastership? And I think that's probably the one that he's yeah. talking about. But uh I think the battle on the boat's also pretty awesome. For for me, I think I enjoyed the test. More Dude, the, the test, test of him going through that cave and then oh Yeah, when he had to get out of the shield, mm-hmm. he was like uh, you know slowly penetrating it. Yeah. But Yes. So. All right, we're up to number five. Who for how it's Hologram Bruce to save the defenseless Kellanan in House Carino. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. We talked about that one with mm-hmm. the show notes. We covered that. Mm-hmm. Number four. Gurney Halleck's escape from Giddy Prime, House Harkonnen. I'm gonna disagree with this one. Man, I don't think this would make the list. It was important. Don't get me wrong. I mean, him getting off and getting freed from the whole uh slavers and the, the pleasure brothel. Now you know, it was it was nice, but I it was it was kind of anticlimactic for me. For me, I love the Gurney Halleck character a lot. I love his his place in Dune, and I like him in uh, House Carino a lot. In House Harkonnen, especially the beginning, man, I just felt I, I mentioned this in in the, the conversation for House Harkonnen, but I just felt like it was like, uh, everything that was bad had to happen to this character to shape him, you know? Oh, yeah. And I was just kind of like, okay, like, uh, What more can we do this? Let's dump on this character. Yeah, like, yeah let's put some more things on Kevin J. Anderson, Brian Herbert, what are you 
have against Gurney Howard. Yeah. <laughs> no. Come on. Yeah. By the way, uh, Roland was saying that he was the last battle between Duncan oh, okay. and that they were talking about. Okay. Um, all right. Now, uh, see, the, the, the Gurney Halleck thing to me is, is kind of a heroic story. How this guy dealt with so much hardship and came through it and, and still maintained, uh, his humanity. Yeah. Well, I, and I agree with that. I just don't think that the escape for me was a momentous thing. I think his story overall arching, I would agree with you 100%. Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe he meant the whole story. Yeah, maybe, the, maybe did the whole. Maybe then. Okay. All right. Number three. Roll. Roland's number three: the recapturing of Ix from House Carino. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'll absolutely. Yep. Oh yeah. Very vivid story. Well described and fun to read. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Number two: Demers' sacrifice to save the Highlander after the tainted spice incident in. House Carino. Yeah, I agree that because this should be on the list somewhere. I thought that was great. No, it's good. If only for just that, they're coming. Kind of like. Oh, yeah. Like, what more cryptic Mm -hmm. of a line? Let's drop that bomb in there. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They are coming. Okay, and the number one moment is Duncan Idaho's escape from Glosso Raban in House Atreides. Hmm. I would say that escape uh, and how he escapes and how he ends up with the Atreides is certainly a fascinating story. And I would say somewhat essential. My favorite moment, I don't know if it's my favorite moment, my number one moment, but it was good. Yeah, I agree. Oh, yeah. I agree. Yeah. So, yep. well, yeah. I liked what I liked reading about uh, him messing with uh, Raban. Yeah, with uh, cutting his. Uh Tracker out and crushing the yes. guy with a boulder. That was pretty cool. Uh, so apparently, uh, the blogosphere, they did some VS, VPS.net did a, a poll and said, what are the top 10 science fiction books according to the blogosphere? That means what books are blogged about the most? Number one, no surprise, William Henderson, you would love this. Philip K. Dick came in at number one, but just underneath. Mr. Frank Herbert himself. Yeah. So, and uh, so that was kind of uh, important. Was a number? Was that number two? Well, maybe it's not. Maybe well, actually these are in reverse. Are these we- are these are reverse. So this is actually number eight. Frank Herbert came in. Number nine. Frank Herbert came in at. Yeah. So that's kind of how it came in. Mm. So and then Philip K. Dick came in twice actually. Yeah, it must be for certain books. No? Yeah, may- maybe so they don't say that. But anyways, I thought it was neat. The top ten, top ten list. Yeah. So. Uh, I think I had seen uh, official Dune Facebook posting about how they were happy to be on the list. Oh, very good. So, yeah. yeah, that was very cool. And All right. It's funny though that it's it's funny though that it's only WordPress. Yeah. So they are. They're just yeah. It's it was whatever whatever sort of algorithm you're using to kind of uh, scrape these blogs and apparently just does WordPress blogs. Huh. Yeah, I've done I've done four or five books. By Philip K. Dick on my blog. So this is, this is what, so here's, here's kind of the breakdown. The top 10 were Isaac Asimov is number one, George Orwell at number two, Douglas Adams at number three, Orson Scott Card at number four, Bradbury at five, William Gibson at six, Philip K. Dick at seven, and then eight, Robert Heinlein, and then Frank Herbert, and then Philip K. Dick again. 
How could he get to be on there twice? I think they have that. They, that must be a mistake. Because it, it says the same amount. Yeah, same number. So they just had the wrong book there. But yeah. Frank Herbert's number nine. So yeah. that's kind of where he came at. Who so. cares about number 10? After Dune. Yeah, after yeah. Dune, nothing else matters. Okay. It's true. It's <laughs> Once true. you get to Dune, it's just supposed to get the rest. All right, let's hear from Dallas Smoker. Okay, so Dallas Smoker writes in. He says, hey, guys, I'm finally caught up. So I'll be commenting on both Harkonnen and Carino. I've been really enjoying these books. I find the political sabotage and treachery extremely interesting, and it has been great to see how all the pieces sink into place as the story develops. First, I'll begin with my comments on Harkonnen. I found this book very interesting. It definitely had some gruesome and horrific moments, such as the raping of Halleck's sister and the poisoning of the Fremen water. Yeah, both of those scenes. Yeah. My stomach churned at the imagery of the villagers scooping their own eyes out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dallas. <laughs> yeah. But it also had finesse when it came to the layering of political language and maneuvering. There are so many interesting things to talk about with this book that I can't even pinpoint where to begin or summarize my thoughts in a brief manner, which really speaks to the depth that the book provides. With that in mind, I will simply say that this book contains the perfect combination of necessary literary components that create an intriguing and enthralling story. I was so invested in the story that when I finished it, I immediately acquired House Carino and finished it in a couple days. It helped that it was shorter. True. (laughs) (laughs) These books also made me realize how much I have forgotten about the original Dune story. So as I start Dune, I feel like I'm reading it for the first time which has been quite enjoyable, especially with so much background knowledge to inform my reading. Now, concerning House Carino, it was very interesting to see how these three houses fit into the grand scheme of these novels. House Harkonnen is fueled by revenge, House Carino is fueled by power, and House Atreides is fueled by honor. I never looked at it like that. I'm just going to take a break here. That's uh, it's kind of interesting. I like right? that. Yeah. I like it. I like it. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Of course, it is more complicated than that when you break it down, but you definitely get a distinct motivator for each of these houses. However, you also see how these motivators hinder the houses in certain situations. The Harkonnen's lust for revenge turns them into a brutish monsters, thus making them not well-liked in the Lancerad. The Carino hunger for power leads Shadam down a path that almost annihilates spice production, and the Atreides' honors keeps Leto from seeing some major flaws in the individuals he puts his trust in. Namely, Kylea. This book really helps to establish the personas that make up these houses and allows for the reader to see how connected this universe is by handshaking and backstabbing. Overall, I have enjoyed the Prelude to Dune books more than the Legends of Dune books simply because the Prelude books have a better balance of action and in-depth political intrigue. The stories are more interwoven and therefore create rich and enthralling characters that the reader can intimately know. I can't wait to keep the story going. Here are my ratings for the first six books. But Larian Jihad, 4. Machine Crusade, 3.5. Battle of Corin, 3. House Atreides, 4. House Harkonnen, 4.5. And House Carino, 4. Keep up the good work, fellas. Thank you for that nice write-up, Dallas, and I'm glad that you're caught up with us. Uh, what do you guys think about what he's writing here? Man, I thought it was, I go ahead. You go, 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 Jim. I, th- <laughs> I thought it was, uh, yes, that, that paragraph, the house Harkonnen is fueled by, fueled by revenge, Carino by power and Atreides by honor. That it pretty well sums it up. It does. It um, does. 
and and yeah. the flaws that he, you know that that those things bring with him, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I you know I I too like the prelude back books better than the legends. It was a shift going. Remember when we were talked about it? It was a shift going from the legends into this because they tend to be much more political in nature, yeah. and I wasn't sure I was going to like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And um I'm into it and I was like, oh man, this is awesome. The balance of politicalness and the there's still a little bit of action, but really uh the treachery, political overtones are just very solid. I think even Dallas commented in the last feedback show that he didn't like the switch. He was weary about it. Yeah. I, I could be wrong, but somebody had mentioned that uh before. It'd be interesting if we ever talked to the authors to ask them what it was like to go back and write so differently. Uh, than than these. That my, my only my only thing that Dallas, I'm going to be honest, you had to bring up all the things that drove me, <laughs> all the things that made me cringe again about uh, House Harkonnen. So thank you, thank you for giving me nightmares tonight and making me not sleep and and wake up in a bad mood. Now tomorrow, you're going to so. need therapy. <laughs> I, I will definitely need therapy after reading these books. <laughs> Um, and, uh, his ratings, I kind of, uh, I see where they're at. And I think that obviously the prelude books kind of scored a little bit higher overall. So mm-hmm. any other comments about what he's saying? I think I'm good. We're good. All right. We did get, um, one, one, uh, someone from Twitter, Pat Nucky Thompson said, after listening to your show, listener feedback three, I had to dig out my copy of the Dune Encyclopedia, and he showed a picture of it. Yeah, a couple so, pictures. Yeah, so we had a That's couple pictures of people saying, "Yeah, we have it. It exists." Yeah. Now, 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 Pat, we want to see your Orange Catholic Bible. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, dig that out. Man. Dig that one out, man. And uh, and I props and respect, yo. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I, and for those not watching the live feed, Scott just gave a, a gang sign. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a reason people don't come to the live feed to watch. No. <laughs> no. no. All right. Uh, why don't we go into our bad reviews? Okay. Yeah. Bad right, reviews. We, we want to give the question after this, right? Yeah. We'll do the okay. question at the very end. Um, so you have to listen to these bad reviews. Tough. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Of course, just like I, I've been stating, I tried to find ones that weren't just, I don't like Kevin J. Anderson and Brian Herbert and cry in a river because we've heard that a million times. So there's a little bit of that in here, but mostly I wanted to catch things that had uh, some extra stuff. So let's go right in. There are contradictions and retcons around in this book. Originally, Elrude had ruled for 34 years, not 138, as this trilogy claimed. Ix was ruled by a group, not House Renias. Uh, if Frank Herbert had decided to write a precursor to Dune, he could easily have done so in one book, not three. The drama between Leto, Kylea, their son, not Paul, Gasp, and Romber was unnecessary filler. And the Baron is portrayed in this book as a rabid woman-hating man, where in Dune he has, he, where in Dune he had been hinted at being gay. And this attitude towards women wasn't as, uh, I can't pronounce that word. My, my misogynistic. Misogynistic. Thank you. Many, many original characters characters clutter up the trilogy, and the canon characters are rather different for a rather unsatisfying read. This trilogy really is nothing more than fan fiction, freely abound with retcons and mistakes that would make anyone else ashamed. But apparently, Brian and Kevin simply don't care about anything but the money these books generate. Any true fan should never consider reading anything that the pair. Uh, anything that the pair has more than poorly... How did that sentence... Anything by that pair has more than poorly written fan fiction. 
one star. So, yeah, I know that Scott and I talked a little bit before recording about how they, how different some of the characters are. I don't think we can comment too much on that right yet, but when we're done doing, I'm sure there will be comments about the differences. Uh, and I guess the question is, do the differences really change the overall story? Or are these subtle differences that the characters that we need to kind of reshape them in our mind to kind of fit Frank Herbert's mold? But the story uh, of Dune and the, the world building in Dune, does that really continue and remain intact despite these differences in character? Yeah. Is it that, is it, is it enough that you kind of are suddenly launched out of, it's kind of like somehow coming from the world of, you know, Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson are we launched out of their world into this new world and are having trouble to make a connection. Is it that bad? I don't know. I don't yeah. think so. I don't think I don't it's going to be. It is. But. <laughs> Anything to add, Jim? Yes, absolutely. This trilogy is nothing more than fan fiction freely abound with retcons and mistakes that would make anyone else ashamed. But apparently Brian and Kevin simply don't care about anything but the money. I'm sorry. Nobody writes a 1,000-page book and not care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, yeah, they're making, they're trying to make a living as an author. Uh, but, you know, these are, these are like their children. Of course they care about them. Yeah, I think it's one of those you know, things. I mean, I mean, Beethoven wrote music to earn a living. Does that make Beethoven's music less valuable mm -hmm. rubbish yeah i agree i think it's one of the things where there were certain parts of the story that they couldn't cram into less lesser books so they maybe some of it was fleshed out just for fleshing out but there were things that would have been hindered by less that's my, that's my thought thought for that so mm -hmm. uh moving on carrie writes i'm glad this is the last of the prequels they are good in their own right, but I am definitely ready to move on to the real stuff. The series dragged on for longer than it probably needed to. There was some decent action in this book, but most of it came hurriedly at the end. Much more interesting, I think, are the books of the Butlerian Jihad. Whoa, we don't hear that too often. Yeah, I know. The House series is more like mm. an appetizer for what is to come. Uh, if you are looking for something to pass the time, then this this book with the whole series is it. But if you are looking for a great book, then skip on over to Dune. You won't be missing much in the way of background information, and it is much deeper book with more important and with more importance placed on times, on themes and driving forces behind the characters. Of course, as a huge Dune fan, I am happy to read anything remotely related. Four stars. Okay, so even though she absolutely trashes it, she still says, "Eh, it's Dune." Yeah. Four stars for me. Yeah. That's what I thought it was a little bit interesting. You know, she didn't. The, the thing about the Butler liking the Butler and Jihad books better, man. I don't. I mean, we already said we don't agree with that, but I enjoyed when we read them. I enjoyed those books. Oh, they were yeah. not. They were good stories. They, they're but not it's different. They're yeah. different. Yeah, I think that the appetizer feeling is something that I like about it, especially rereading them in order as we are now. It would annoy me more if I would have read Dune and then gone back immediately to read these. I would have been like. I already read Dune. Like, I don't want to. I know this. I know this already. Yeah. yeah. I know when this comes out. Right. But Roland said, even if it was fan fiction, why does that make it bad? That's true. 
That's I mean, true. here's the other mm-hmm. side. We are getting more of the Dune universe. Yeah. If if we aren't if Frank Herbert's not going to write anymore and he's not, clue <laughs> you in just for a little bit there. What? 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 <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get out of Ouija board and start channeling Frank Herbert. Right? <laughs> um, we we aren't going to get any more Frank Herbert. So if we want if we want to play in his world and his universe and. Complain all you want about the fact that this is not Frank Herbert's writing. It's it's not gonna be, and it's gonna be a little bit different. Yeah. But we're, we're they're doing they're building it off his notes, or they're 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 referencing his note. They're they're trying to tie it in and make sure all eyes are dotted and T's are crossed, and they're trying to make it the best they can. And I, I don't see how you can argue with that, honestly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot went into these books, especially when you feel that uh, the Butlerian Jihad books were written after. I mean, there's so many plannings in this that it's almost hard to imagine that it was done that way. Right. So. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Alex says, I don't know if it was just other obligations getting in their way or if this final part of the Prelude of Doom trilogy really was the most difficult to get into. But in the end, despite coming, so- but in the end, despite coming somewhat full circle, I wasn't as I wasn't as best pleased with it as I had hoped. The number of simultaneous plot threads begin to resemble a tangled mess of strings at the end as events were rushed to their conclusion. To draw a simile from the books, instead instead of being able to look forward with utter clarity to observe and admire how everything came together, it felt like the clamor from other memory, i.e. future canon plot, a newly introduced and newly introduced intrigues obscured the actual message. Two stars. So, I think uh, I think his actual message is kind of obscured. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think his is, his mm-hmm. is obscured. Jim, thoughts? Um, no, I I'll, I'll tell you what I I guess no, not really. Okay. <laughs> All right, See, yeah, not 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 worth commenting on yeah. is what you're saying. I I get it, Jim. Uh, I well, wait a minute. You know, maybe I think about. I I have thought about how difficult it would be to take something that exists and then fill in the blanks before, mm-hmm. and that's I I think these guys have done a great job. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. So the last one I have here is unattributed. So House Carino is where Herbert and Anderson's narrative goes off the rails and stretches the limits of the cl- plot's credibility. Another invasion of Ix. Piter DeVries running around Kayatan with baby Paul. WTF. There are some truly weird developments in this conclusion of the trilogy, and I can't say that it was well executed. Where was the Earl of Ix throughout the rest of Herbert's original series, if he played such a huge role in this one? That's just one of several questions that will leave you scratching your head at the end of this one. Two stars. So again, I mean, we'll probably have more to comment on that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, you know, okay, running around... If you know anything about Dune, it's a, it is a bit – I'm not defending his comment, but it is a bit far-fetched to picture Paul really being in danger. So when he's kidnapped there at the end, it's kind of meaningless. It's not yeah. like you know that Paul's his central character in Dune. Nothing's going to happen to him. Um you don't you don't know you don't necessarily know that Piter is gonna take one in the keister and then he's gonna be back as a clone. But 
it does seem a bit far-fetched, Darren. You're like, well, this can't, this, this, this ends up good. Right, right. So, uh, and this is part of the curse of being uh, a prelude book, period. Mm. Because you can't write a prelude book in, in a way that surprises the reader totally because you already know what's going to happen in the future. On the same token, it's like, okay, Anakin Skywalker in Star Wars can't, can't, can't come, become anything other than Darth Vader, right? Right. And so, uh, I guess part of it is, so that's the curse of all prelude books, period. But for me, when I read a prelude book, I'm not reading it to necessarily be, have that shocking reveal surprise. I'm reading it to experience a journey to the book that I've loved and the main story I loved. That's just my thought on it. Jim, I I have to agree with Scott. Um, absolutely, I I'm not reading these books. Uh, I'm re uh, well. Let's see. I'll put it this way: I'm reading these books for enjoyment, for entertainment, and and for fun. And I'm getting it there. Okay. Uh, I I like the blanks being filled in, and I like the the extra. Stuff that is put in there. Yeah. Uh, one, one thing with this guy's review though, that, um, that I have to agree with, that there are several questions that do leave you scratching your head. Now, I'm really foggy because it's been so long since I've read the original Dune and the series, and I keep asking myself, what happens to Vernius later? Yeah. I don't think it ever gets explained. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and also I remember from watching the movie that the, the people of Ix weren't as respected, uh, as they were before. Right. Yeah. I remember that too. They're like the Tilaxu are hated, but the Ixian people are suspected of treason for making too smart of machines. They're not. Mm-hmm. Not really the greatest. Well, I guess we'll see. So, yeah, there are questions that need to be answered. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I believe that's about it, right? Yeah, that wraps it up. So, uh, you know, we have a question. Wait, what's that? We do have a question. We do have a question. And our question for this month is, would you rather use Melange to see the future slash past or use Melange to live longer? Or would you just like to use melange, period? Period. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, that's a good question. I mean, would you would you just use it for its basic properties, or would you uh, want prescience? So that's the question. I'll put up a poll uh, the same day that this episode goes up, and you can go to our Facebook page and click the link and vote there. Absolutely. Or leave a comment with your answer. Absolutely. Uh, as always, we love your feedback, as you can tell if you're listening to this. So, Scott, why don't you give us uh, how people can get in touch with us? So, anyways, we are the Dune Saga Podcast. You can visit our website at dunesagapodcast.com, where you'll find links to our live show and information about us, so you can stalk us on Twitter, Facebook, and everything else. We are at facebook.com at backslash Dune Saga Podcast. Also on Twitter, Dune Saga, at the Dune Saga Podcast. Our phone number, should you want to torture us with your awesome voice and voicemail, is 1-888-508-4343. We would love to hear from you. 
But hey, if you really aren't fond of hearing your voice, we love to receive emails. You can email us at the Dune Saga Podcast at gmail.com and we will share it on the air like we shared all these wonderful feedback and all this wonderful uh, email that we got for this past show. Right. And along those lines, we are currently running a contest uh, to to win a nice hardcover 1983 version of Dune uh, original printing uh, from that, from that time period. So if you would like to be eligible and you live in the United States, we're looking for people to send in voicemails or recordings of, uh, their messages. They can send it to our email as a wave or MP3, or they can uh, call the 188 number. Uh, if you do that, then we'll uh, do a random drawing from everyone who submitted and we'll, we'll, you will win a copy of Dune. That's right. So, That's and, awesome. And we'll announce the winner on our listener feedback show for Dune. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. Hey, one real quick question. I can't answer this. And Roland's asking in the chat room, I thought before we sign out officially here, okay. uh, he asked, does you read Polo Dune, right? I have not read Polo Dune. You have not, so we no, can't answer his no. question. But his question is, doesn't Polo Dune have parts from before the original Dune? Uh, and I don't know that. My the official standing on it is it takes place uh it it involves the story of Paul between Dune and Dune Messiah. So not it doesn't jump like there's no flashbacks. There might be. Yeah, so hey, we don't, be. Roland, we don't know. Uh, yeah, we'll find I, out. Too, I have not read Paul of Dune, Winds of Dune, or Sisterhood of Dune. All right, so. well, you will, we will, we will find out. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Awesome. All right, well, let's, uh, let's exit out of here. Yeah, so for the Dune Saga Podcast, I'm David Moulton. I am Scott Herzog. And I am Jim Arrowwood. And may Shilud, I don't even, what's the catchphrase? And may Shilud clear the path before right. you. And may Shilud clear the path before you. <laughs> I don't even know the catchphrase. Yum, da da dum dum. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs>